0: I'm Chelsea Parker, I'm a freelance fiddle player, and this is The Jay Franzi Show.
1: Welcome to The Jay Franzi Show. A behind the curtain look at the entertainment industry with insights you can't pay for and stories you've never heard. Now, here's your host, Jay Franzi. Well, thank you for joining me and welcome to the show. I am Jay Franzi, and this is your backstage pass to the entertainment industry. This week, we get to talk with a merchandise and a VIP manager. We get to talk with Kelly Murray. We'll talk to her about what it's like being on the road with Jason Bonham, her time with Live Nation, and her role as a VIP manager. Now, Kelly, she just got off the road with Jason Bonham, she just moved to California and is kind enough to join us here tonight. So, if you'd like to join in, comment, or fire off any questions, please head over to com. Now let's get started. Kelly, my friend, how are you?
0: Hi, I am doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me.
1: This is my pleasure, my friend. I've been looking forward to this. I can't wait to jump in tonight. But before we do, just tell us what this new move to California is like for you.
0: Oh, goodness. so. Honestly, it's been sort of a growing manifestation on my mind probably this year since around like June or July. And thought about it off and on. And then around November is when I kind of made the final decision to be like, okay, my previous lease in Atlanta is up in mid December. And I thought, okay, do I stay and see how things continue to go or do I make a leap? And I just said, you know what, why not? Uh, It happened very, very fast uh, once everything sort of fell into place. And uh, I moved here entirely within a couple weeks. Wow. And also dealing with it while I was on the road recently with Jason Bonham and his crew.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is insane to me that you moved that quick. Did you find a place during that time too, or did you have a place picked out already?
0: My uh, lovely dad, who ended up helping me out a little bit, he looked up a few, like, realtors. Nice. And my dad laughed at me. And right when I came into the bedroom in this one, and there was, like, all the, like, staged furniture set up, and I just kind of looked around, and I pictured myself living in here. And I just, like, ended up sitting on the bed and just kind of, like, taking it in. I'm like, yep, this is the one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. All right, let's just go ahead and jump right in. I know you just got off the road with Jason Bonham. What was that like?
0: Well, <laughs> it was funny because... So the tour started, I believe, on November 8th or 9th while I was here. And everything was like planned ahead, but the Atlanta date was on uh, November 17th. And that's when I jumped on. That was my first day. But... First day was a little rough for me, I will admit, because for those that don't know the merch world very well, there's a thing called uh, venue sells versus artist sells. And venue sells is when typically like all these like other small or large uh, merchandising teams do the venues, handle and sell and count all the merch, pack it up. And then artist sells is when there's a rep on the road, which is what I typically do, I'm doing everything, selling, doing settlements, packing up, and so on and so forth. And just thinking back to that day, I just like remember jumping in and I was just like, oh my goodness, just trying to catch up with everything and meet new people. And I just remember it was a very high anxiety sort of day, just trying to play catch up. But then, after like day two, three, four, like as time went on, it got a lot better and smoother. But everyone was very welcoming and supportive, chill, open. it it honestly felt like I was on tour with just it just felt like I was on tour with a whole bunch of like stepdads or step uncles. just. <laughs> Just, and typically I was just like, okay, a tour like this, I'm going to, because it was two buses on a semi. And I thought, okay, long days, so I'm going to go to bed early. That went out the window right away. Uh, every night I was up until pretty late, just <laughs> chilling in the front lounge or watching movies, uh, talking, getting to know each other. I ended up meeting uh, his son and his son's band, too. I was kind of bummed out because I was only working with them for two days, both in Atlanta and then in North Carolina. It was at some big casino. And they were all like very fun. Guys around my age. This is his son's band. mm -hmm. Yeah, Jagger Henry, which they're all local here. So on day two, I was like, oh, they're actually really fun, but... Anyway, first time I met Jason, I was just kind of, I can't remember where, which city we were in. After a while, it's just a whole <laughs> blur. It's just like, wait, what city am I in again? But I was just sitting backstage by myself, working on my computer, and I just sense someone come up to me, and I hear this English accent, and uh, we chatted for about 10, 15 minutes, and it, He just came off as just like a very, not only a super talented musician, but just a very sweet, genuine, caring person. Very much a dad, too. talked about his kids a lot.
1: He's now a grandfather.
0: Yes, he became a grandfather on the tour. He was like super ecstatic about it. There was a day where he flew home to... He just do grandkid, which is sweet. And he was giving us all updates. So that was really cool.
1: That's going to be pretty cool for him to just take off and and come right back like that. So were you nervous when you got the call that you're going on the road with them?
0: I was excited, but for me, deep down, I was a little wary because, I don't know, for me, starting some new gig sounds great. Just naturally a little wary, a little nervous, like, okay, just with the new stuff in general, which is normal.
1: When you take on a role like that, each camp is different. They run things differently, but ultimately business is business. So when you take on a role like that, do you feel like there's any hurdles or anything that you have to overcome when joining a new team?
0: Yes. It's also a big process of learning as you go.
1: So you'd have to learn fast.
0: Learn fast. You think quick on your feet, but yeah, just deep down, I was like super wary. I was had just had this feeling. I'm like, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it, but also just naturally don't know what to expect. But then as time went on, like you know, the first like week in tour, I started to feel pretty comfortable and getting to know i guess the fan base and the types of crowds that come through it's it's just the little the little things that you start to pick up on give
1: me an example
0: mm. it was just interesting talking with a couple of fans sometimes they talk about like like oh I saw Led Zeppelin you know back in the day and you know just to hear those stories um, it's just kind of painting a picture for me
1: it's got to be pretty cool learning about the the history like that especially playing the Zeppelin catalog being related to Zeppelin and having all those connections it could not be a better show to go see it's definitely an experience so Do you have any memorable moments from the the tour?
0: What stuck out to me is just some of the stories that Jason would tell in between songs, um, just stories about his dad and growing up and meeting sting and like playing drums when he was young, just hearing all those types of stories. It just kind of like made me stop and think and go, wow, like, this is just huge. Yeah, it's huge. And there are a couple of like funny like moments that I re- think back and laugh and remember that were like non show related, really. But if you want to hear one, oh, yeah, I can. absolutely. Let's go. <laughs> so <laughs> we had a date in Canada in Niagara Falls.
1: Oh, yeah, Toronto um, area. Mm hmm
0: yeah it was really cool i i ended up having enough time to like go down and like take some videos of niagara falls
1: you didn't go over with a barrel
0: <laughs> <No>. uh <laughs> kind of like a looney tunes cartoon <laughs> moment <laughs> yep. um but yeah i just and just the touring everything aside like you know if you have extra time to like take a moment to like go out and like exp- experience certain parts of a city that or a town that you've never been to. Though, those are kind of the moments that like stick with you where you're just like, oh wow, like I get to see the world and places that you've only like saw on T V or in film.
1: So what did you do in Toronto?
0: So we had enough time to go down and actually like get as close as I could to Niagara Falls. And and it was that night and a couple of the venue staff told me, like, oh, go see it at night. Like, it's all lit up, and it, colors change. And I just remember going there, and I just stood there, and it it was almost like an ethereal experience. It was just so, like, breathtaking. And the staff told me it was that um, the waterfall was flowing at, like, 30%. He's like, you think that's breathtaking? It's only at thirty percent. Is that at a hundred percent? So, but it was still so gorgeous, and I just remember standing there and just taking them all and being like,
1: eh. "Oh, it's an amazing place." I've been there a, a couple times, and the falls are beautiful. I mean, I get drenched every time I go, but they're beautiful. Go up there and watch them. And I've yet to see anybody go down in a barrel, so I haven't had the <laughs> experience yet. But I've seen the falls, and in Toronto is a beautiful city too. I mean. And being on the u s side overlooking Toronto is beautiful. I mean you get to see the cityscape and all the lights and it's a really nice place
0: yes, really go out much in Toronto, but I mean whenever I like go through like a city multiple times, there's always like that go to spot right. or, like go to coffee shop or restaurant and
1: well on that note, what do you like to go do?
0: Oh, goodness. It really depends. Like Toronto or Canada, I always have to go to a Tim Hortons, always.
1: (laughs) I can't say that. I'm a Dunkin' person, but go ahead.
0: Uh, Like a true East Coaster. Yep.
1: (laughs) I am a Bostonian through and through. What about restaurants? You try to hit any restaurants when you go to town, some local stuff?
0: For Atlanta, since I've lived there, one of my go-tos is... It's a place called Slutty Vegan. It's actually a like a vegetarian vegan place. But their uh, burgers are awesome, like to the point where it's kind of hard to tell. <laughs> but for those types of burgers, like you don't really need like condiments or anything on them. They're that great. Minneapolis, where I'm originally from, born and raised. Nice. There is a place called... I'm gonna say a lot of vegetarian, vegan places because that's kind of my preference. Your thing. Mm-hmm. It's called the Herbivorous Butcher. It's been around for a while. I think there's only one location in Minnesota, but they like they ship nationally. But they're they're spot on too.
1: Now let me ask you a question. Since you're a vegan, vegetarian,
0: mm-hmm.
1: when the band hits a city and they want to go out. You go out with them?
0: (laughs) Typically, yes. But depending on the area, yes, it is a little challenging at times because your options are limited. Or if you're, like, just perfect example, just on this bottom tour, it was me and our guitar tech, Rob, were both vegan and everyone else was carnivores. So it is a little challenging when everyone wants one thing and then you're just like, Oh, well, there's really not that many options for us or with just one, like, like a salad or something. Right.
1: Well, I'm just thinking if you're trying to spend time with the band and you're bonding and spending those moments together, I mean, that's what it's all about being on the road is just hanging out together mm-hmm. and they want to hit up a traditional burger place and you know, <laughs> you're kind of thinking, Hmm, I'll have the lettuce and tomato and skip the burger. Yeah. yeah. It just might be a little challenging from time to time.
0: Or steakhouse, barbecue, just sort of that like after show food that's comfort food.
1: All right. Well, let's talk about a, your typical day. What is a day like for you?
0: Let's see. Off the road, I'm also with Live Nation. And typically for that, I do more, I kind of like for that, I tend to step away from from the merch world and tend to do more like production assisting or production running. Currently we're kind of in a slow season just due to the holidays and new right. year, but
1: which is good for us. Cause that's why you're here tonight.
0: Yes. For days like that, I will, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. They're typically like 12 hour plus days. Get to the venue early. You meet up with managers and, production managers or the tms or assistant tour managers with the tour and tasks get broken up like okay one person goes do this at this time Uh, typically stuff is scheduled out throughout the day for us to do and sometimes things come up last minute which does happen it's just typically like a little bit of like groundwork here and there yeah typically you're just like shopping like a rider for those that don't know what a rider is um it's basically just like a grocery list of like stuff that they need for like hospitality or their dressing room. And usually you do that task first and then you move on to the next. Anything can come up really from like hotel runs to airport runs.
1: So you're really doing everything.
0: Yeah. A little bit of everything you're, Poor comparison, but it's kind of like an IKEA project. Like you're kind of like that extra little screw that tends to like <laughs> try to hold everything in. And really, it, it does make a difference.
1: Oh, absolutely. What's the craziest thing you've ever seen on a rider?
0: <laughs> Good question. Uh, I forgot who the band was, but there was one where. It was like all broken up and then at the bottom it said miscellaneous and it said a ghillie suit and at the time i had no idea what a ghillie suit was so i ended up having to look it up and i was just like oh and i remember asking the tour manager like do you like and i thought they were serious i'm like do you really need this like is it for the show or someone one of the members to wear on stage and he's just like They're just just in your cookies. Yep. I think (laughs) it was from they're not from the US. They're from Europe. It's this black metal band or death metal band. They're called Watain. And they've like actually requested like real blood, which I know sounds disgusting, but no, it was more so for like stage performance and just their whole aura or style and i'm like ugh but but i've also seen like uh another band they don't use real blood thank goodness but they use like um it's a band called gore yeah just crazy (laughs) i'm theatrical mm -hmm. they use like fake slime and fake blood and like i just remember like two days before their show like the rest of the staff would actually have to cover like all of our PAs and speakers and down on the floor by the barricade, they covered these huge plastic tarps. Right. just, it had to take a couple of days in advance to cover everything.
1: These are things you're doing from the production side. So mm-hmm. you are unique because you've seen it from both angles. Mm-hmm. So on the production side, you're running the show. You're basically the conduit between the venue and the artist. So what's it like when you're on the other side? Which one do you like better?
0: Mm, if I had to pick one, I would pick the tour side. It's a little more structured. You're part of an established group. But yeah, tour side, you get to kind of see how everything, how everything kind of comes together. Right. And just knowing that you play a part of that.
1: So you just got off the road with Jason Bottom. Mm-hmm. So what's a day in life on that tour like?
0: So typically um, get to the venues anytime between, between like seven, eight, nine in the morning, wake up, gather my things, get off the bus. It's usually I try to get up a little earlier just to have like an hour to myself and get ready, go backstage. Uh, usually if like, if I'm able to on my end before we load everything in off the truck, usually I'd go check out backstage, see where catering is, if we had catering.
1: Do you typically get more than one meal when you're on the road? Oh yes. I know they the venue provides at least dinner, but do you get lunch and breakfast as well?
0: Breakfast was usually not offered. It was either like a cold breakfast or like a was like a tea or coffee station right. usually for breakfast was kind of like
1: grab an apple
0: yeah grab an apple banana something quick because uh, our load-ins weren't until like 11 or noon but usually lunch and dinner was provided and when i would have time aside from like gathering my things getting all like settled for the day, I would actually go ahead of time and like check out the merch area just to kind of scope it out for size, spacing, just to determine like, okay, how much do I need to take in today? So I typically like to go in and like scope out the area before things tend to get a little bit busy, just to kind of prep on my end and just to kind of go through a mental checklist like, okay, okay here's what it looks like. Okay, here's the entry point, exit just to kind of plan ahead for that.
1: When you're in some of these venues, do you have multiple stations?
0: This was like a casino and theater run. And usually for theaters or clubs, there's usually one designated area of space. If I were to do like larger tours, like arenas or stadiums, there's multiple merch stands. But yeah, for this one, there was usually like one merch area. Also, this tour was unique, too. I mean, it, usually there's a support band or, like, one or two openers. And usually you have to share space with them or they're, like, in a slightly separate area off to the side of you.
1: Is there a challenge when doing that?
0: There was one time where I totally set up everything, display, counted in everything, got all prepped. And I was like, okay, I have a half hour until doors. And then all of a sudden, support, too. And then there was one time where someone from the venue was like, Hey, you have to move your stuff. And I was like, couldn't have told me this earlier while, while you saw me putting things up on a grid, but sometimes it does get a little tight, which is expected. But for this one, I mean, it was a breeze. Again, there was only two days where um, his son's band was on and sharing space and, for this one, it was unique because it was like just headliner and kind of got your own space. So overall, looking back, I was like, Ugh. I kind of got spoiled with it a little bit. <laughs> but usually, with uh, support, you just try to make it work as best you can.
1: Well, normally when you have support too, they don't have the same setup that you would have. Mm-hmm. They might have a couple T-shirts or or something where you might have a full-blown display. I'm sure that kind of helps a little bit, but I can only imagine the challenges you might have in people trying to, you know, step over each other and finding a location within the venue that's not only suitable for you, but suitable for the line of people that's going to be lining up. I mean, it can get hectic. Speaking of that, I mean, what kind of challenges like that do you have? And do you have any favorite venues? Uh,
0: as for challenges, usually like, then this is like, as I'm setting up, I'll usually like circle back with the TM and just be like, hey, is tonight sold out? If it's a sold out show, usually it's just like, OK, like there's going to be, you know, X amount, extra bodies in the room, which is a good thing. Uh, so you expect to be a little bit busier. There was one show where we were in D.C. at the Warner Theater, which is a gorgeous theater, by the way, walking through the lobby, it kind of felt like you were in a lobby of like the Titanic or something, just super ornate. But anyway, I remember that show, I was kind of like taken aback. I was like, oh, I'm actually like super busy. I mean, it's a good thing, but <laughs> it's there's certain cities where it's like, okay, sold out show, okay. But then like once doors open, you're just like, oh, like didn't expect the city to be a very merch heavy uh, crowd. But as for favorite venues, On the Bonham Run, I think it was the State Theater, if I'm not mistaken, Uh, Port Chester, New York. Some of these theaters are built in like the like mid 1920s or late 1920s, and beautiful, absolutely. And I still have a picture of it, but it's this like, I mean, it looks like the mural was done like a week ago or recently, but it was this state theater it's this big huge mural and it's very indian influenced and just with a lot of colors and detail like nothing you'd see really today but as far as other favorite venues some of the house of blues venues i like yeah house of blues boston
1: boston there you go Mm -hmm. now we can talk (laughs) see see, now, now we can be friends (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, House of Blues Boston is super cool and usually all the House of Blues venues are just super like unique and yeah. like every floor just has a whole like mishmash of different artwork.
1: That's mm-hmm. awesome. I saw saw you in Cincinnati and you go from Boston in these venues that are very old to Cincinnati which is brand new. Did you like being in that venue? Was that a nice venue for you?
0: I did, actually. Catering was great back I could just tell, like it was just it's almost like when like cars or apartments that just have that new like that you could just new tell the venue smell. Yep. Great venue, good acoustics. and, um, and they did have great. great food. Oh my goodness. Yes, yeah, triggering my memory now. The catering I can't remember if they were in-house or contracted, but the catering for that night was stellar.
1: I came home. I'm laughing only because I came home, and that was the first thing I told my wife was, oh, you should have seen the food. It was great. (laughs) They had 50 pies. (laughs) (laughs) It was too funny.
0: Now I just remember, again, talking with our guitar tech. We're just like, oh, did you see that there's vegan cookies? Oh, how many did you have? (laughs) I'm just like, oh, I already had four. (laughs) Yeah, when there's a good variety with catering, it's just like, okay, you're on your ship, you know. You you know what's
1: up. Oh, yeah. no, And they were super friendly, too. I mean, it's crazy. I've been on the road several times. I've never had catering, and the people there just be so nice and so friendly. So it was good. Good venue, good catering. The venue itself was beautiful. I mean, it, it's brand new, so it's beautiful. It was nice. It seemed like there wasn't a bad seat in the house. It was good overall. I liked it. Do you have any um, funny stories?
0: The first band that I ever did a tour with, they're called the Happy Fits. They're from New Jersey. Hi, Calvin, Luke. And there was like this poster. And obviously I could tell it wasn't like, quote unquote, official. It was just like a DIY printed image of, like a still image of uh, Brendan Fraser from one of his movies and they had an employee somehow like mimic or forge Brendan's signature and say like, Oh, to Luke and Ross, you know, good luck with the show. Like, like pretending it's actually signed by Brendan Fraser.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Who else have you gone out with?
0: I have also gone out with a duo band from Nashville called Icon for Hire. And then He's from New York or Brooklyn. Um, He goes by the name of uh, Hoodie Allen. I did his tour for the last two weeks.
1: How do you get picked up at that point of a tour?
0: At the time, my new uh, hoodies uh, TM, Avery. Hi, Avery. I knew her and she just randomly called me up and she just said, hey, you know, what's your availability? And I told her and I just said well I have another tour starting on September 6th at the time and she's like oh my current merch person has a conflict and she's like can you come in and fill in and I said okay yeah sure did that that tour was a little rough because we had a, a very we had a bus that misbehaved quite a bit it broke down like three times (laughs) we had to get a u-haul i just remembered that
1: nothing fun about that
0: no i just remember that tour was super chaotic but we just powered through and then right after that i did apocalyptica oh yeah they are they're actually really unique they're like think of like a metal band but with all cellos and they're from uh finland
1: which is awesome by the way Mm-hmm. I love things like that. I love metal music and I love when people put a twist on it. It's very cool. We're talking about merch here, and I think when people go to a show and they see a merch table, they they don't really think much of it. They just think of, you know, a table they can go buy a t-shirt or something. But there's so much more to it and there's so much that's involved. And you're actually very well educated. Can you tell us how that plays into what you're doing now? <laughs>
0: i feel like i'm one of the rare few i guess it depends most of the people that i've met either didn't go to college for whatever reason or went to college for a short amount of time like a semester or two and then dropped out or just didn't go overall but i actually do have uh, one degree which is in pr but i did study music business for my first year but yes how that plays in it does because with the music business one it really helped because there was a class that I took my freshman year and I actually to this day I still have the notes with me it just goes through every single part of the music business from you know how management works how I learned how typically most like booking agents and agencies work and
1: how close was that education to the actual real world
0: Ooh. Uh
1: well the reason I ask is I um I used to teach at the engineering school in Nashville. Okay. And I would teach audio engineering for both studio work as well as live sound. But my focus was on studio work and I worked with the publishing companies and the record labels. Mm-hmm. But I also worked with those publishing companies and record labels outside of the school. So I would actually mix records for them and do things like that. And okay. the education in the school was not always on par with what they were actually doing in the field. So I was just curious, if it was the same way for you. Mm.
0: A little bit, but most of my knowledge and just what I've learned so far has been just through doing,
1: doing it on the road, mm-hmm. which is cool. I mean, like I said earlier, you got to think on your feet and be able to adapt and move quickly. And that's what it was like working in the studios. You know, i mentioned all the time that we spend other people's money. So when you're spending other people's money, you have to move quick. You have to be a quick problem solver and be able to do all those things. So you being able to learn that on the fly is amazing to me.
0: Yeah, and just taking whatever you can and also working shows or uh, taking on roles that typically not a whole lot of people want to do. And just also acquiring like certain like mentors or bosses that are also willing to like take the extra time to sort of like mentor you right. has helped a lot.
1: So on that thought, what are some more traits or characteristics that you think make a good tour manager, a merchandise manager, a VIP manager?
0: Mm. Definitely communication is huge. Also patience is Sounds cliche, but yes, patience is a virtue. <laughs> or if something goes wrong during the show, like if you have, like, you find out, oh, hey, there's a noise curfew. You got to be, you know, done and start packing up the stage by 11 or midnight. Um, that can usually uh, be a little bit of a challenge because yeah. it can feel rushed. But yes, communicate. What I've noticed, with, especially with tour managers, is, is usually like, like an open door policy for everybody.
1: You mentioned the curfew. I remember being at the outdoor venue just outside of Boston Mm -hmm. and they had a 10 PM curfew. So you could still load out and do everything, but the music had to stop because it was an outdoor venue and it was practically in a neighborhood. So I thought that was insane.
0: That is one of the earliest curfews I've ever heard of is 10 PM. I think, it wasn't 10 it was more like 10 30 or 11 but there's a amphitheater in the atlanta area it's called chastain i remember working a show there and it was for a zz top and they had a super early curfew another thing too with just shows and touring whatever in general is if you play outdoor venues you have the chance of like like natural disasters or storms oh, yeah. that you got to be wary of. Um, typically, with like thunderstorm and lightning.
1: Well, what do you do in that circumstance when it starts pouring down rain and the merch is just getting drenched? What do you Oof. What do you do?
0: Because cardboard boxes and water don't mix. No. <laughs> um, it's recommended that you have at least like a few like plastic tubs or. Oh, but
1: do you ever have to pack up early? I mean, that's going to be frowned upon. I mean, does it ever happen?
0: Oh, my goodness. I just went through, not on tour, but it was while I was uh, working a festival. <laughs> I don't know if I want to name the festival because uh, I'm sure if I were to right. start describing it, people would be, just start to be like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah I was long. there. Yep. Usually, like, has an awning or a tent. Usually, like, you're somewhat good, but if it's, like, no, there's lightning, like this isn't going away that, or this isn't subsiding anytime soon, you gotta go. But yes, this is in early September. Um, I just say this took place in a, in a rural area in Virginia and uh, <laughs> it was <laughs> just me like thinking about it and describing it. <laughs> the festival hasn't been around for a long time but i just remember it like me and coworkers getting there it was on like day two there was like tornado warnings or just high wind warnings and i i'll just it's just burned in, into my mind and i just kind of get like show ptsd thinking of it <laughs> yeah it started like raining like sideways winds picked up um we heard so many stories of, you know, campsites being destroyed. And I just remember, like, me and coworkers, we would, like, take, take the tents and just literally we would have to hold them shut for dear life. And parts of, like, the big stages got damaged. Yeah, it was... It was...
1: It was r- rough.
0: Yeah, no pun intended. It was a bad whirlwind of events.
1: (laughs) Joe Kaiser was recently on the show and he was on tour with Nickelback. He was front of house. So we went there and it was at the outdoor venue here in Cincinnati and there was nothing covering merch. Now, luckily no rain or no issues that night, but there was nothing, nothing covering them at all. I mean, they just had a table just sprawled out of just shirts and sweatshirts and jackets, everything you can imagine they had. And all I can think of myself is if it rained, they'd be screwed. Yeah. So um, what's next for you?
0: (sighs) Honestly, uh, I wish I had a solid answer, but I don't right now. It is the holiday season, so things are slowing down.
1: Does that make you nervous?
0: Yes, a little bit, but after going through it the past couple of years, it's just like, okay, we're going through slow periods. But right now, as far as like touring, there is not confirmed yet. Um, There is a possibility I might be out. Again, it's not confirmed, but there is a slight chance. I might go out with uh, Elvis Costello mid-January until uh, earlier, mid-February. As far as the rest of the year, if any new dates with uh, bottom and that camp come up, I'll of course do it again.
1: Would you like to do artist management?
0: I would. Yeah, something a little more yeah admin related, office related, but at the same time, still being very hands on with. Um, putting shows together and with bands and artists, but also having the chance to still go be like, oh, okay, I'm going to go out to this vessel and see, you know, clients of X, Y, and Z.
1: Well, if you do artist management versus tour management, you get to do more of the negotiation, more of the business side, and you get to have more than one client mm-hmm. and you get to go out to the road and you get to do a lot of the, the work you're, you're doing now. You get to organize a lot of that stuff. It's the experience, and that's what you're gonna build off of that's what's gonna make you desirable as a manager is having that experience and knowing how to arrange a tour, knowing you know what venues can do what and you know what what the capabilities are, whether it be performance wise or merch wise or just load in load out and what gear you can have, and what you can't so I mean there's a lot of things you're gonna be picking up as time goes on,
0: yeah, and just organizing you know other small things like stops for like press or interviews. Um, that's something I'd also, uh, like to get involved in somehow as well.
1: Well, I think again, if you look back at artist management, that all ties together, that's like that all encompassing mm-hmm. position that you get to utilize all of your skills. I mean, everything from, you know, arranging the tour of the venues, the merch to the PR, to dealing with the record labels, to arranging recording studios. I mean, all of that stuff is all done by that position. Most people don't give it enough credit Mm -hmm. so that person juggles a lot so be interesting i'll be you know following you quite a bit to see how it goes and when you make that change you can come back on and tell us about it
0: yeah for sure for now it's just a matter of time and just sort of like knocking on doors and also a little bit of waiting but hopefully something works out
1: well you're meeting all the right people at this point so i mean you're doing some pretty big things Mm-hmm. So we do this thing here we call Unsung Heroes where we take a minute to shine the light on somebody behind the scenes, somebody that doesn't typically get credit, somebody that may have helped you get to where you are in your career. Is there anybody that you'd like to shine a little light on? Family member or somebody who may have supported you?
0: Oof. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I'm I don't want to be- don't <laughs>
1: shed light on anybody. <laughs>
0: no I'm not just gonna say no no one um
1: did this all by myself <laughs> uh
0: no there are a couple of people that come to mind one that I just want to give a general shout out to one of my ex-bosses actually there's a venue in Minneapolis I used to work at for a couple of years called the armory
1: nice name for a venue
0: yes it's like just over 7,000 cap and I'd like to shout out my old boss, uh, Nate, who he was just one of the most fun bosses that I've ever worked with. Like, it made me look forward to working shows. Another one that I want to give a shout out to, and just a huge thank you in general, is to um, Elena and Greg at the Masquerade for not only just giving me the chance, but just um, being very flexible and helpful. And another one with uh, Live Nation that I want to give a shout out and also a huge thank you to for connecting me with some contacts here uh, with the corporate office is um, uh, Ruthie. She's a director of production for the Atlanta and Southeast uh, markets. She's super cool too. She's like, she's like in her late 60s, early 70s. (laughs) Hopefully I'm Not uh, not wrong about that, but yeah, she, I kind of like had a casual conversation with her one night and just hearing about her experience. And I was just kind of like blown away by her, her path in general. And she's just like, no, I'm still kicking I like to be busy and, you know, this and that. And I just thought, oh, wow, like I, like, I want to be at that point, you know, when I'm older. And so, yeah, I want to be like a Ruthie.
1: I want to be like a Ruthie
0: <laughs> just sharp as attack, And yes, uh, another, just in general, i give a shout out to all the close friends that I made over the years. And, and also of course to my parents, uh, Ron and Peggy and uh, my younger sister, Caitlin, nice. who are a solid foundation then are just there on the good and the bad days no matter what, even though we're so far apart.
1: A big thanks to Kelly for taking the time to share her stories with us. And thank you for taking the time to hang with me here. I really do appreciate it. If you could, please follow, share, and connect on all the socials. You can do that and find the links to everything mentioned over at jfranzi.com episode 44. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Jay Franzi Show. Make sure you visit us at jfranzy.com. Follow, connect, and say hello. This episode has been brought to you by VR Knives, your source for 100% custom knives made by a true rock star. So if you're in the market for a new piece of art, reach out to VR Knives.